0: Guys, grab your Bibles. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. Amen, amen, amen. I was about to say, it shouldn't take you all that long. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. It is the first chapter. I mean, it's, it's actually like page five in my Bible. <clears throat> All right. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I praise you. I thank you so much, again, for just the opportunity to be a small part of this church and your church, God. Uh, I thank you for the last two years, um, the humility that's come from that, um, the lessons learned, the guidance that you've given. Uh, Father, I I, I never imagined uh, two years ago that we'd be sitting where we are today, and I just, I praise you for that. I thank you for that, and um, I thank you for the people that have been such a huge part of that over the last two years. And Father, I thank you for the people that, that may not have been but are going to be from here forward. Uh, God, we're still planting your church, and we're still working hard at this. And we'll always have that mentality that we're planting this church. Twenty years from now, we're planting this church. That's going to be our mentality for you, Father. I promise you that. Um, my brother Don always says that. Don't get full on your last spiritual meal. And Father, I refuse to do that as a church. We're going to continue to push forward and grow each and every day and we're doing that to build your kingdom father you've given me a message that I have been so excited to get started to preaching this series that you've put in front of me I just I thank you for it I'm excited about it and uh, father I, I thank you for the word that you gave me today for this message and I just ask father in this moment that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet that you take all pride selfishness, anger, distraction. Father, anything that's blocking me from giving your word today, I ask that you replace it with your love, your breath, your discernment, your wisdom, and your knowledge. But most importantly, Father, that love. I just I praise you for that. Father, I ask that all the families that are not here today, I know we've had a lot of people call in They're supposed to be serving, Father. I pray for them and their families, the health of their families. In fact, Father, I claim that health 100% healing over them and their families and over anyone else in this congregation that that illness may be creeping up on. I just, I stomp it out. Father, I I don't accept it. And, And we do that in your name, and we're humbled by that. Father, we ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. All right. Uh, Today, again, I'm super excited to start this series called Warrior Marriage, super, super excited about this. This is something that uh, if if some of y'all, raise your hands if you were here last year for the Warrior Family series that we did, quite a few of you, good deal. Now raise your hands if you weren't. Okay, that's good. So half of you are going to hear some things you've already heard before, and half of you aren't, which is a great thing. In fact, that kind of leads me into this, that... Before I get started, again, I know some of you've heard it, but the thing is, that Warrior Family series, that was a whole year ago, okay, an entire year ago. I couldn't believe it's been that long. And uh, I kind of thought about some of this, and I thought, Father, you know, some of this is very similar. A lot of things he was giving me for today were very similar to some of the things that I spoke on a year ago. And I'm going to tell you what he told me, he said, some of y'all need to hear it again. And he said, Micah, you're one of them. Okay, so I'm preaching to myself today. I also know that some of you may not be married. Okay, like I get that. Some of you may not be married. There's some young kids in here. I mean, but here's the thing, guys. It doesn't matter. Take notes. Take notes. Some of you may not be married because you need to take these notes. (laughs) I might be helping you here. You know what I'm saying? So take notes, guys. Very important that you do. The covenant of marriage is not taken serious enough today. Not only that, but it's being attacked from every single direction. The media, TV shows, movies, the internet, even in some of our educated systems today, they are going against everything we know as a Christian when it comes to the marriage covenant. Our goal in this series of Warrior Marriage is to teach everyone that, what God had in mind when He created this institution. I want you to ask yourself a question this morning, guys. Um, How can such a, a great institution, which is the foundation of family, by the way, and the foundation of civilization on top of that, how can it be in such disarray today? I want you to ask yourself that question. Hold on to it. In my opinion, it's because the world has disconnected of how God intended the marriage covenant to be. It's time as a church, not just Christian Warriors Church, all churches, we need to reconnect with God and his plan of marriage. Over the next few weeks, I'll be discussing many different points, instructions, and characteristics that God intended for the marriage covenant. But today, we're going to discuss two things, the purpose of marriage and the instruction of who to marry. A long time ago there was a, a man who bought a home bought it in an old historic district of town. Buys this house, big house, big big house. After about a month of living in this house, he noticed that there were cracks in the wall. He just had it freshly painted, so he called the man that painted the house. He said, "Hey, I got cracks in my wall. I need you come over and repaint my wall." So the guy shows up, paints over it, said, all right, man, got you fixed up. Guy's okay with it, walks out the door. A month later, same situation. He sees another crack in the wall. So he, this time, instead of calling the same painter, he called a different painter because he thought, well, this painter's terrible, so I'm going to call a different guy. This guy shows up, paints over the wall, everything looks good, and he leaves. Third time, about a month later, cracking the wall calls another painter now this one comes in a little bit smarter than the other two he looks at the owner and he says sir he said i can't fix your wall they said well of course you can't he said the other two guys came in they painted right over it he said but you still have the problem and he said sir the problem's not the paint it's the foundation foundation is so important when it comes to marriage The problem is, we're building a lot of marriages today on the wrong foundation. It's a shifting foundation and it's causing families to collapse. A strong marriage begins with that strong foundation. So I want to go to the beginning and I want to make sure that we understand God's fundamental foundation for marriage. And by setting a stronger foundation, we can achieve his purpose, which is what we want to learn about today. I have people ask me since I started this series, what is a warrior marriage? What is a warrior marriage? What is a warrior marriage?" What'd you do? Did you mess up my book up here? What would you do? What's going on back here? Is it down? Oh, there you go. Thank you, Nick. Everybody give Nick a round of applause. Oh, never mind. It's not up here. Never mind. Y'all don't give him a round of applause. I can't read that. I can't see that from back here. Dear Heavenly Father, I ask that you help these boys back here. Do we, do we need, y'all okay? Okay. I'm ready. Yes, sir. I'm ready. Now you can shoot it up there. Thank you. War marriage? A covenant between a husband and wife who commit to work together under God's authority in order to replicate his image and expand his kingdom. That's a warrior marriage, right? Okay. There's one thing that i got to get clear before we move on, guys, and some of y'all are not going to want to hear this at all, but I don't really care because this is just the truth of it. God's purpose of a marriage is not your happiness. It's not your happiness. I'll say it one more time. God's purpose of marriage is not your happiness. Your happiness, again, not the purpose of marriage. It is the benefit of marriage. The problem today is too many people flip the benefit and the purpose. The purpose is God's plan, but I do promise you guys, if you stick to that purpose, the benefit of a happy marriage will come. So if you get nothing else out of this message today, make sure you remember this. Your marriage, it's not an emotional issue, it's a spiritual issue. It's all about spirit. We need to have the right thought process in mind whenever we're thinking about our marriage. I'm going to explain some more of this. Let me continue on. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Uh, This is, of course, the sixth day of creation. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all of the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Okay. Now, first thing I want you to catch is when it says, In his own image. It said that in verse 26. It's kind of cool. A lot of people don't catch this, and and some of y'all are going to think this is really elementary, but some of you may not know. I just want to say this God made us in his image. God looks like a human being. That's his image. Now, I promise you, he's a lot better looking than some of the people, some of the dudes I'm looking at right now out here in this congregation, but that's his image, right? That's what he made us like. So it's kind of cool to know that we're walking around with the same type of body and so forth that God has. Fruitful and multiply. Okay. God's purpose for marriage is for us to be fruitful, multiply, and govern or rule. Okay. Okay. I'm going to break this down real simple so we can move on. Again, God's purpose of marriage is not your happiness. God's purpose of marriage is for man and wife to come together, have children, raise those children in the ways of God, so his kingdom in turn will increase. Y'all get that? Can I move on from purpose? Do we all understand purpose? Amen if you understand purpose. Amen. Not your happiness. Don't forget that. I want to talk a little bit about his image. God is a triune being: God the Father, God the Son, and God of the Holy Spirit. These three make one. Correct? We know this. It's like a pretzel. And, and when I think of a pretzel, by the way, when I'm talking about God, I'm, I'm not talking about you know one of them little pretzels. I'm talking about one of them Annie and pretzels from the mall. One of those cinnamon-coated ones. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody in here know what I'm talking about? Y'all don't act like y'all ain't eating one of those. Y'all lying. Those things are so good. That's good carbs, okay? (laughs) Good carbs. A pretzel has three holes, but it's also tied together by the same dough. Put that first picture up there for me, Nick. Y'all understand what I'm saying here? Okay. You got three, right? All together. Same dough. Why are y'all laughing at my pretzel? <laughs> We're going to move on before y'all might be mad. Well, in order to reflect his image, God did the same thing through marriage. Now, remember in history, God sent Jesus, and, and then Jesus left, and then he left us the Holy Spirit. Again, God's image of marriage is reflected the same way. I want you to think about this. You have, okay, you have man in Adam. He pulls the rib from Adam to make woman, Eve. They come together and Eve produces children, right? Same kind of thing. Y'all following me there? Women, men, women, and child are all made of the same ingredients. Put the picture back up here, Nick, for both of them. So, okay, are y'all buying this? Are y'all figuring this out here? It's the exact same thing. From now on, when y'all think about this, I want you to think about a pretzel, okay? (laughs) From here forward. But it's the truth of it, guys. It's the same ingredients. It's the same dough. It's all together, right? They all work together to complete the mission. Understood? Okay, good. As long as we continue to stick together in God's image like a pretzel, Satan doesn't stand a chance because we are together, we are three, but we come together as one. This is talked about in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 12. I love this verse. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. So scripturally, it's telling you that the three together— if you have father, mother, and children all on the same page, you will complete the purpose that God has put in place for family. But you've got to be on the same team. You've got to have the same vision. When you start to come apart, you need to realize that Satan has attacked. Guys, Satan is a divider. That's his job. I've seen Satan attack families in so many different ways. <laughs> I, I, I've seen. All right, I'm gonna give you a personal example. Okay, this is this is a me and Amanda story. Okay, long time ago, she she was really mad at me, and uh, that that doesn't happen very often. But this was a long time ago, right? And this is back in our early days of marriage when when I didn't understand. Women. but still don't understand women. But this was years ago. Early in the marriage. I was not the smartest. Um, we got in this. I mean, we were just bickering each other. This was like for a week, okay? I mean, like wouldn't, didn't want to talk to each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many people in this room that are married, how many times, I mean, don't lie to me, have you had that fight where you don't want to talk to the other, you, you don't even want to touch the other person? Like, how many, man, Robin Trewick, your hand went up way too fast. Like, seriously, man. Like everybody else was still thinking on it, and you was just like, before I even finished, praying for you today, brother. Praying for you. Ashley, go easy on him. Go easy on him. Go easy on him, okay? But Okay, so this was going on for weeks. Like, like we kind of got over it, and then we start bickering again, and then we get over it, and we start bickering again. And one day I just sat down, and I'm like, what started this? So I start hitting rewind, right? Like, I'm looking at the time frame, and, and I hit rewind, and I'm going back over every little thing I said, every little thing I did, and I finally got to the beginning. It was over a dish towel. A dish towel. It was at Christmas time. I was washing dishes and I used the Christmas towel. <laughs> you don't use that towel on the dishes. Men, that's decoration. Okay? Don't wash your hands on it. Don't use it to clean dishes. Understood? Amen, men? Okay. But that's what happened. It's so stupid that we were so mad at each other over a dish towel. Guys, that's what Satan does. He comes in, and he'll just implement just stupid little things like that. Like I'm telling you, I remember I'm washing dishes, and that towel appeared out of nowhere. Like Satan just dropped it right there next to me. She's going to be mad at me when I get home, by the way. Here's what you need to realize, Christian warriors, and this is very important. When Satan starts to disrupt your marriage, he is disrupting God's plan and purpose for your marriage. You see, guys, when you're in those types of arguments and things are not looking good, it's a lot bigger than you. That needs to be our mindset. This is not just affecting me or affecting my wife or my children. This is affecting God's kingdom because I've allowed Satan into that covenant. My pride has taken over. I bet most of us, men and women, husbands and wives, we don't think of it like that. But what if we started to think of it like that? Every time a bickering argument came up, man, we're destroying God's kingdom right now. Needs to be our mindset, right? Man, some of you dudes are looking at me like, man, go easy on us, like, seriously? It's a much higher power than just my family, just my home. Understood? Some of y'all have heard this story. Uh, about a year and a half ago, Amanda wanted to get a treadmill. We got a treadmill. And, and you know, you think that a treadmill, that it would come put together but it wasn't. I opened the box, and, and, and there's like a thousand pieces, okay? So one day I took off work, and I, I thought, I thought, that I'd get to chill that day and, and just hang out with my wife. I mean, we got to hang out, but she's kind of surprised me that morning and said, we're going to go put this treadmill together. That's not how you want to spend a day off, by the way, putting a treadmill together. So I go down there, Amanda went back up, she was getting her hair fixed and you know, all that kind of stuff, you know. So so I go back, I go down there to start on this treadmill. And I, I open the box and I'm looking at all these pieces, and I said to myself, I said, Self, I said, You're a smart, educated man. You don't need these instructions. <laughs> you can put this thing together without these instructions. You know, and I'm looking at this instruction book and it it was It's about this thick, right? Like half the Bible. I ain't got time for that. So I pull it out, and I'm putting stuff together. An hour goes by. Amanda comes downstairs. I mean, I I, I ain't even got two pieces put on there. Can't even plug it in yet. And Amanda looks at me, and I'll never forget it. She said, well, have you looked at the instructions? And it hit me. Why did I think I knew more than the treadmill maker? (laughs) But we do the same thing in marriage, right? We get in an argument with our wife. We get in an argument with our husbands. And we think we got a great plan in place to fix it. We also think, you know, I'm going to do things my way. This is how I'm going to rule my household. We think we know more than the marriage maker. We need to go to the instruction book. That's our instructions. And it's plain as day in there. We're going to go over that over the next few weeks. <laughs> Do you guys remember years ago in the 80s, the, uh, the beer commercial? It was the first light beer commercial. And for those of y'all that are visiting, we, it's very seldom, but I'll bring up beer every once in a while. Okay, don't freak out. That beer commercial, that first light one, and it says, uh, what was it? Uh, uh, taste great, less filling. Yeah. And, and did y'all, does anybody remember that commercial back in the 80s? Okay, there's a, yeah, a lot of old people raising their hands. So it starts out, you know, all these guys are in the bar, and they break out. was a Miller Lite, if I remember right, and they put it in front of me. Drinks it. One says, man, tastes great. then one says, less filling. And the next thing you know, taste great, less filling. Tastes great, less feeling. And, and they get in this argument in the bar. You see, what happens was, is, is behind the scenes, there's somebody there that's telling one, it tastes great. And the other one says, less filling. And they get in this argument. That's what Satan does. He comes in and he gets you in this argument, even, even about the taste of a beer. But it's simple things like that, guys. I need y'all to understand this. It is spiritual warfare in your household. Spiritual warfare. He's going to come in and attack every way possible. And if you allow him to do that, the purpose that God has in place for marriage will not be fulfilled. You understand? I got some visitors looking at me like he talked about God and beer in the same sentence. We're gonna move on from the purpose of marriage. I think I've hit that home. I wanna discuss God's instructions on who we should marry. There are only two simple instructions, two and two alone, that God gives us in his word on the instructions of who we should marry. First, it's between a man and a woman. This is brought up in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2, excuse me, chapter 1 verse 27, 28. Pull that up again for me, Nick. This is one that we pulled up earlier. So God created human beings in his own image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. Okay? So that's the first place it talks about it. Now Jesus discusses these exact same verses in Matthew chapter 19 when he's talking to the Pharisees. This is verse 4 and 5. Haven't you read the scriptures Jesus replied, "They they record that from the beginning God made them male and female, and He said this explains why a man leaves his father and a mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united as one. Okay. So first instruction God gives us: marriage between a man and a woman. It's right there. We've got that right. Second instruction, and this is one I'm going to spend a lot of time on. They must be a believer." must be a believer. Go ahead and pull up 2 Corinthians for me, Nick. Chapter 6, this is verses 14 through 17. We're going to read every bit of this, and I'm going to come back and explain some of it. This is 14 and 15. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you. I'm about to discuss something that could upset some people. Those of you that have been here have heard this, so I'm going to say it to our new people that are here. I'm not aiming at your feet. I'm aiming at your heart, and I'm aiming it with truth. Okay? Interracial marriage has become a major topic of conversation over the years. Of these two instructions that God gives us on who we are to marry, nothing is said about the color of anyone's skin. Nothing. In fact, I want to read one more verse that I've found on this topic 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verses 39. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. If her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but only if he loves the Lord. Anyone. It, it doesn't say anything about race right here. It says anyone, as long as they are a believer in Christ. I want to share something personal with you guys. Every morning when I wake up and I get on my knees and I pray, one of the things that I pray for every day, I have three daughters and I pray that God is preparing a strong Christian man for each one of my daughters. I pray for Annabelle. I pray for the man that's going to marry Sadie. God bless. I really pray for the man that's going to marry Caroline. (laughs) But I need you all to catch something. I don't care if they're black, white, green, purple, or polka dot. If they'll love my daughter like Christ loves the church, I'm going to love them. And if they don't, I'm going to hurt them. That's right. Amen. In saying that, if my daughters do decide to marry someone, excuse me, marry someone of a different race, I do want to prepare them for what they're about to walk into. I, I want to explain that. I have married interracial couples. I have counseled interracial couples. I've got many friends that are interracial couples. And I've asked a lot of them the same question. What's the hardships? What's the struggle? And they all tell me the same thing. It's tough. It's really tough. Because the world looks at it one way, Even though God has no problem with that, the world does. I feel as a father, that would be something I would prepare my daughters for. But I'm gonna tell you what I'd tell them. You don't not marry someone out of fear. Fear is not of God. If you are to marry someone of a different race, if you know that God's love is there, You run with it. And guess what? Your daddy's got your back. Because something y'all need to understand, and this is completely biblical. Number one, no need to worry about the world because God's already conquered that, right? Number two, love conquers all. If there's true love there, I got your back. I'll back you up. I want to continue to talk a little bit more about how God wants us to marry a fellow believer because here's the thing that's the most important thing. It's not color, it's character. It's not color, it's love. None of that matters. Color does not matter in this situation. It's all about do they love God? Are they following Christ? And are they living that out? Don't talk a game, especially to me. I'm gonna tell all, all you boys out there right now that if one day might marry my daughter, don't come at me talking, I'm looking in the camera, don't come at me talking a game. Cause I'm telling you, I see right through the, you know what, I've been there. I was one of those. I know very well what's fake and what's not. My prayer is, is that my daughters do the same. The problem also is that the world has made a mistake of underestimating the challenge of marriage. Guys, marriage is the hardest relationship that there possibly is on this earth. I want you to think about it. Marriage, that's that's a covenant with God. You can't just get mad at your spouse and walk out the door. I'm going to repeat myself. You can't just get mad at your spouse and walk out the door. You can do that to your boss. You can do that to a friend. You can do that to a pastor, to a church. You can do that anywhere else, but you better not do that in the covenant of God. You cannot walk away from that. You have to fight through the issues and the situations that come up, right? The tough times, you have to fight through that. It's the toughest relationship in the world. So here's what I'm going to say. Why make it harder by marrying an unbeliever? Why? 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 Amanda and I have an amazing marriage. I get choked up every time I think about it. Amazing marriage. We still have tough times. And I think about why in the world would anybody want to complicate that? You young people that are not married right now, here's some suggestions I have for you. If you're looking at dating somebody, test them. Test them. If it's starting to get serious and you feel like this is somebody that I might could date for a while, invite them to church. Invite them to your house to have supper with your parents. If they cower away from that, there's a problem. There's a problem. Another thing you can do by testing them is maybe one day open your Bible up in front of them and see how they react. One of the questions that I would also ask is if they happen to see you with that Bible, and this is how you can catch them. You can catch all the the fakeness. of of them is if they look at that bible and they start to talk about it then look at them and say where's god got you at in the bible right now if they can't even name a book you got a problem and then number two they ought to be able to quickly say for instance like right now i'm in genesis chapter 26 that's exactly where i'm at my bible they ought to be able to tell you if they can't be warned be warned And I'm telling you right now, if they won't face your parents, that's a big problem, big problem. In fact, man, I'm going to tell you right now, my father-in-law, I'll never forget this, the first time I went on a date with Amanda, I pulled up at the house, and ironically, he was outside working in the flower beds. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. I was brought up with two sisters and two amazing parents that taught me how to look somebody in the eye and shake their hands, how to be respectful. My sisters taught me what not to be like as a boyfriend. So I knew immediately when I saw my father-in-law, first time I ever met him, went right up to him, Mr. Wilson, how are you? Stuck my hand out, shook his hand, looked him right in the eye, and the first thing I asked him, what time do you want her home? Now I'm going to tell you right now, some boy comes up and does that for me, I'm still going to keep an eye on him. But I'm going to feel better than the ones that try to sit in the car and honk the horn. I don't think so. You ain't taking my daughter. in You honk that horn all day long. Uh, it ain't going to work. It's very important, guys, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that they connect with your family. That's respect. Honor thy mother and father. The ones that do this will have a long and healthy life. That's a promise. I got a good one, too. For you girls, man, ooh, how is he treating his mother? Ooh, ooh, right? Did I treat you good? Okay, good. My mama sitting up here. She's probably like, you remember that time? (laughs) And for you guys, same thing. Watch how she treats her mother. You notice I didn't say father, because, you know, sometimes that's a little different. The father's the main disciplinarian, you know, he's a little, but watch how they treat mama, because here's the thing, mama loves them kiddos, right? Now, dad does too, but there's a connection there with mom and kids that dad and kids don't have. You know, y'all birthed us, right? There's a, there's a connection there. It's like a soul connection. And if that child doesn't treat that mother with major respect, they ain't gonna treat you with respect. If they won't treat their own mother with respect, they're not gonna treat you with respect. Take that home. These people's actions better match their words. It's very important that we have that. There's something that I teach my daughters When looking for someone to marry, don't follow potential, follow patterns. There's a lot of people that you'll meet in life and you'll think, man, you know, that, that okay, like, I'm going to pretend like I'm one of my daughters, okay? Like, dad, this, this boy, you know, he, he, he's tall, dark, and handsome, okay? Which makes me a little mad because I'm neither one of those. Like, they're supposed to... <laughs> This, <laughs> I walked right into that, man. Like I really did. But you know, you would think they'd go after somebody who looked like their dad, right? Like I hear that sometimes. Yeah, I don't think so. But anyway, so so they come to you and they tell you all this, and they're talking. Man, he's just he's he's got so much potential. Yeah. Okay. You know, first thing I'm gonna ask, where's he go to church? You know. You know, what's he do? Does he have a job? Does he play sports? You know, what's his blood type? What's his social security number? These are other questions (laughs) I would ask. But but seriously, it's about patterns, and, and I'm trying to teach my daughters. Watch them. Before you initiate in any way, watch them. Let's see how their patterns line up. Are their words, excuse me, are their actions actually matching their words? Potential will get you in so much trouble. There's a lot of people walking around this world with a lot of potential, but they don't know what to do with it. I've seen so many people marry potential and get a divorce within two years. I'm just being honest. It's happened a lot. I counseled a lot of people through that. They didn't pay attention to those patterns. And that's another thing, I I do not not believe in love at first sight, but I highly recommend that you give it time to follow these patterns before you decide to get married. Make sure they are involved in a church. Make sure they are treating their family right. Make sure, hmm, make sure they got a job. Make sure they're making some money, okay? If they ain't got a job, you listen, get out. Because if they ain't got a job now, especially if they live under mama's roof, they ain't, mm uh get out. You can expect, that's the thing, don't let them bring you down. And that happens so much. When I see people marry for potential, it ends up bringing them down. Marry patterns. Look for patterns. Do they go to church? Do they get in their word? Do they pray? Do they treat their family right? And keep an eye on it. Don't just do it the first time because they put on a good show now. Give it time. Are you single people following me at all? One other thing that you should always look for is the characteristics of a church leader. This is something that I always talk about when it comes to anything, business, life, church. Pull that uh, list up for me, Nick. This is the characteristics that a church leader should have, a pastor should have, okay? If you're looking at marrying a man or if you're looking at marrying a woman, okay, male or female, these are the types of things that you need to look for. If God is looking for this in a leader of the church, why wouldn't you look for this in the leader of your home? Why wouldn't you? Your home is your church. That's your church. That's your mission. That is your number one ministry is in that home. So they need to be self-controlled, sensible, respectable, not a drunkard. Okay? I, I said something about beer earlier. It says not a drunkard. Okay? You can have one. It's okay. Not quarrelsome. Not greedy for money. Slow to anger. Quick to listen. And the number one thing is gentleness. Gentleness. We just did an entire series on the book of James, that one word came up more than any of them. And that's all about leadership, gentleness. You know, I could come down hard on my kids, and sometimes I do. I can't lie, because Annabelle's sitting right here on the front row looking at me. But I do try to handle it with gentleness as much as I can. What are you gonna teach people if you come at them with anger? And, and you can't control yourself. What, what are you going to teach them? But if you come at them with love and with gentleness, it's completely different. I truly believe that the person that you look for in marriage got to have that quality. It'll make your household a lot more peaceful down the road when kids come along. Amen? Amen. In closing today, I want to leave you Christian warriors with this. If you got nothing from this message at all this morning, and I know we got a lot of young kids in here, they're like, "Ah, oh, no wonder I don't stay in here." And I go <laughs> listening to the kids, you know, Miss Amanda and, and Miss Marissa over teaching. But if you don't get anything, I need you to take this with you. You're married to God before you're married to your spouse. That is the number one relationship in your entire life. But I'm here to tell you today that if you concentrate on that first. Your relationship with God first. Your relationship with your spouse will fall into place. Your relationship with your children will fall into place. Everything falls into place because you're in his covenant. It's protection. Amen? Grab a pen and paper. Get you to write this down. Worship team, prayer team, y'all can come on up. Well, wait a minute. Y'all need to write this down. I always do that to y'all. Annabelle gets mad at me. She's like, Dad, I didn't get to write it down. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Your marriage is not a personal issue. It is a spiritual issue. I said that earlier in this sermon. Guys, this is so important that we have this mindset when it comes to marriage and relationships. It has nothing to do with us. It's all about God. And you're like, Micah, no, it's my relationship. It does have anything. No, 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 put God first. It's like I said earlier, you're married to him first before you're married to that spouse. If you concentrate on it and make it a spiritual issue, every decision that you make in your marriage, every decision that you make with your family, again, everything will fall in line. Amen.